You are listening to Venerable Voices. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, all you good people. Thanks for joining another episode of Venerable Voices. I am Cindy Kellogg, your host, and my guest today is Bojinka Bishop. I met Bojinka last year when we were both fellows in the Experience Engaged Fellowship Program in the Denver metropolitan area. Bojinka is just really a remarkable person. She's curious about others' stories. She has a passion for communication. In fact, she is a self-proclaimed architect of communication, and I I love that title. I think uh, communication is certainly an art form, and she does it very well. She has demonstrated that in a variety of roles she she has had in her career, uh, taking her from the classroom as a professor at Ohio University um, to various different media roles, mediation roles. Along the way, she's always maintained uh, an acumen for, for writing. And I think that's a skill that uh, we all could use more of, one I really respect. She's also reinvented herself. She's a consultant now in the Colorado community and really helping companies uh, to build trust with their constituents, to be more authentic and true communicators. How I wanted uh, first and foremost to bring her to the Venerable Voices platform, however, is through her blogazine work, flyinghighsolo.com. It's a platform through which she showcases the curious, clever, and inspirational lives of everyday people. And it's really inspiring to me. And I think in today's times in particular, it goes a long way in igniting our souls. So without further ado, my conversation with Bojinka Bishop. Ms. Bojenka, I'd like to welcome you today to the platform, Venerable Voices. It's really been um, a pleasure to get to know you through our former fellowship program. I've loved, loved, loved getting onto your blogazine and learning all about flyinghighsolo.com. Um, and we can talk a little more about that as our conversation ensues. But really, I think where I'd like to start is about your background. I seem to recall in a previous conversation that you've had a long long journey in corporate social responsibility. And that's a near and dear um, passion of mine. And I'd love to just start there and talk about your background if we could. Okay, well, thank you very much for having me actually. Um, I appreciate it. Well, I have to say that I started as an environmentalist and have a master's in environmental communication. Now this is to kind of relate to writing because my brother reminds me, my brother remembers everything, that when I was about 15, which was before environmentalism became, I wanna say popular, or at least in our consciousness, I actually wrote a short story in which trash never disintegrated and our streets were full of it. And that was my story. And, and I look back and I think how interesting. I mean, I've always been a writer and, the, um, and then that led me at some point to get a degree in environmental communication. And the thing about corporate social responsibility, 
is that people typically look at it as volunteerism and philanthropy, but true corporate social responsibility means responsibility in every aspect of the business, about people, about finance, about all the operations. So I personally am feeling that in a lot of cases, and I won't mention specific organizations, that the limited view of what corporate social responsibility means is a little bit bothersome to me because I think it's been taken over by philanthropy. Like we give money, therefore we're good and we're responsible somehow, but not necessarily in their business operations. That's a very interesting, very interesting and astute observation. I actually don't think I've ever talked to anyone who said it quite like that. So I appreciate your candor on that and your perspective. And you taught, correct, as a professor at Ohio University in this field? Well, I taught in, now this is part of my background. Having been in environmental communication, uh, my first job was for Michigan Sea Grant, and that was doing a radio program, which was probably one of my funnest jobs ever. Why, um, if I may interrupt you quickly, why, why do you say it was one of the ones you enjoyed so much? Well, I, I was free creatively. Uh, basically, my job was to find or interview or at least locate researchers, et cetera, people who are working on Great Lakes issues. This was in Michigan and um, interview them. And I basically ended up writing a script and then cutting in with the help in those days of an engineer. Um, now we have to do everything ourselves. So I, I think that's much harder. Um, Ollie, the engineer, I'd say, OK, cut the tape here. Probably for some young listeners, they'll think, was this like in the 1700s? No, it was not. Um, and um, and I, I basically had a boss who kind of agreed with everything I did. So it was, it, I, I, it was fun creatively. I could find people on my own. I could do the show on my own. I also voiced it and wrote the scripts. I don't know. It was just fun. I, I totally understand and appreciate that. Yep. Totally. Anyway, please go ahead. I, I just I found that statement interesting and I thought it, I wanted to learn a little more. OK, so I have to go back. You asked me about teaching at Ohio U. Yes. So that led me to communication for various organizations. Um, after my Sea Grant gig, I um, worked for a division of Herman Miller, which was office furniture yes. and they're very high design. And that was really interesting. I was an editor and I wrote, but worked with the design people from Herman Miller. And for them, it was so, I mean, like I remember being in a meeting and the graphic artist said, do you want a period after this or not? And I thought, wow, I hadn't really thought about it before, but I thought, yes. So that, that was a lovely experience. And then we worked on what we call the built environment as opposed to the natural environment. But anyway, I found myself in various communication roles and one of which was for the American Water Works Association. And I was head of public information and public affairs, although we had a Washington office, so I wasn't the political person necessarily. Um, and did campaigns for them, et cetera. And then there, I never said that I was in PR because it has such a negative connotation. 
And so I used to say I was in public education. <laughs> of course, who knows what that means or other things. But then I decided, or my mother basically said to me, why don't you teach? And I thought, okay, that would be so much fun being in a totally intellectual atmosphere, um, which turned out not to be totally true, but at the time I thought it would be. And so um, there was a job, Sloan Professor of Public Relations at Ohio University. Well, I went to Michigan, so I never totally got into Ohio, um, but this was not Ohio State, so it was okay. And so I got that job and it was in the School of Journalism, and it, my title was Public Relations. Um, and I developed a course actually in corporate social responsibility because I didn't want my students to go into the world thinking greenwashing is, oh, we recycle, therefore we're totally socially responsible. So I really developed that course to have a, so they would have a broader perspective and, and actually the, the textbook I used was written by a professor who I think teaches at CU Denver, because I actually met with him when I moved here. And you know that's the comprehensive view. Um, although I have to say in his textbook, as it evolved, he kind of basically said, it's up to the public to push corporations to be socially responsible. And that grated on me a touch because I think, I think business corporations, all organizations have, should have some ethics and sense of responsibility without being pushed into it. That's a very fair point. Very fair point. Before we move forward, you went to the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor? Okay. Yes. I, I am a Big Ten rival of yours at Northwestern, coming out of Northwestern. So oh, I share your feelings. And today on our call, we can both say uh, it's not Ohio State. <laughs> we can say yeah. that yes. They are so big. <laughs> so big. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this whole issue of corporate social responsibility, um, and I... I've called it different things in the course of my career. I felt about it in different ways. Um, the bottom line for me, and I'd be interested in your take on this, is how do we, how do we get individuals and therefore their companies to really embody personal accountability and then further more corporate accountability in not only the work they're doing every day, but in the work environment they are establishing for their employees. And I think that for me has become a real driver as I've gotten older is how, how does one feel accountable to the point that they, they really want to ensure it and they want to create a work environment if they're responsible for an entire company that embraces more globally and pervasively accountability. I wish I had the answer to that, <laughs> because one of the things that a colleague and I do is, is actually when I worked for water, there was this, there were various pollution things that happened around the country. And as the national organization, I felt that we should take a stand, make a statement, 
which fortunately my boss at the time, lovely man, agreed with. They don't do it as much now. Um, and, and I remember my boss saying to me, well, how can we make this look good? <laughs> my uh, other boss, not the, not the one that I was in total sync with. Um, and I said, and I had read a book, <laughs> this is before I taught on public relations, because I hadn't really studied PR as such. I, I had studied environmental communication. And I remember this line by this very famous guy, Grunig, and he said, public relations is really building relationships with the public. And that really stuck in my head. So when this boss said to me, how can we make it look good? And that is the problem with PR. People hire you to make it go away, which just infuriates me. But anyway, so I said to my boss, you know, public relations <laughs> is really building relationships with the public. He said, oh, I never thought of it that way. I said, okay, great. Um, but anyway, so I was disturbed by the fact that something that had to do with public health and affected, especially now with lead, lead was a big issue then too, um, that people were afraid to tell. So this whole thing kind of came together. My old professor, who was Peter Sandman, who went on to make a zillion dollars in risk communication, um, had this whole kind of 10 point system of um, how people perceive risk. One is whether it was voluntary, one was whether it was industrial. So I brought him in, fortunately, my other big boss agreed to bring him in to the water utility managers. And they were kind of convinced because he was fabulous, well, he is, and um, that the more you tell people, the more they are basically on your side. So every year people get a report on their water quality whether there's a little bit of arsenic in it, whether there's a little disinfection byproducts, the contaminants. Now, when I say to people, you know, you get that, they say, really, I don't get it. And the point of the matter is you do, but the fact that the organization is telling you that they're meeting the EPA standard, which is basically how many people die from certain things. It's a whole risk calculation is kind of made up, but nevertheless, um, um, that, that giving information and being honest about the consequences, et cetera, is a much better way to go than trying to hide things. So this led me, and um, also with a woman that I now work with who is, uh, was head of the Consumer Council, we had this you know, kind of public affairs and consumer people, lots of committees, to come up with what we call the principles of authentic communication. So this was 10 things um, that, um, and they're not rocket science. Do you know what I mean? But I decided that in, in public relations, even though there's a, there's a uh, code of ethics, it doesn't really spell out good communication. I mean, people have their own definitions. So we made up one, or we didn't make it up, but we thought about it and did research. And then because I was working at Ohio U, I had to do research. So basically, um, I did a research project on uh, a water, uh, basically AWWA gave me their mailing list. So I basically tested in the water utilities to see if these 10 things contributed to successful communication, which 
my research with the help of this guy who taught research. <laughs> um, he was my he was my technical advisor. Um, found that they did um, contribute to six what people considered successful communication. So then I published on that a lot. I wrote on it a lot. It appeared in a lot of places. And then uh, someone from Northwestern, as a matter of fact, a graduate student found it in the literature and did a research study on employee satisfaction and other elements in mergers and acquisitions and found that these 10 things actually contributed to employee satisfaction. Now, one of my biggest, so I was at these various, you know, conferences presenting and at one of them, this woman um, who ran America Speaks, which was this huge, uh, they, they facilitated Davos, they facilitated the rebuilding of the World Trade Center, huge facilitating large public groups. And I said to her, because at the time, one of them was truth, and I said to her, you know, this fits perfectly with, you know, the guidelines in your work. And she said to me, truth. She said, no CEO will ever agree to these because you've used the word truth. That's Blew disappointing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's really but disappointing. It, it, it relates directly to your question. How to get people... Um, and, and, and basically, I, I now call it factual accuracy. <laughs> so, so, I, so truth has three elements. One is factual accuracy, but I could give you facts all day and get, talk around the issue. One is that it's fundamental, that you're getting the, the fundamental core issue. And one is comprehensive, that you're getting the whole story. So now, there, now there's, I think, 11 of them because we've added in a public we've added in a participatory com component to, to that. And that is kind of good news, bad news continuum. But anyway, so, so how to get people, that is the key. I mean, I think, you know, I kind of think people have to have a sense of personal ethics. I think, you know, you can give them all kinds of data and, but if they don't have, you know, if all they want to do is make money and excuse the expression, screw everyone else, which unfortunately there are people like that in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm not sure you can convince them. That's mm -hmm. the tragic thing, especially about the world right now. I think you're right. And as much as I don't want to admit that either, um, I absolutely believe you're right. I think one of the reasons I've continued with this podcast is to really focus on those that are in this camp of accountability and personal resolve and instilling hope and all of those things. Fortunately, we do have so many folks out there that do have a predisposition um, and a wiring. And boy, if that if that energy can be harnessed, um, look where we could go. And honestly, and I, I do want to get to your um, blogazine because I just love it. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of that is 
is harnessing the power of, to your point, living your best life and how can we learn from each other? And I just love all of those things. But before we touch on that, do, are you, I know you and I obviously met through the fellowship program, but do you have consulting you're doing right now on your own or what are, what is your daily journey beyond um, the blogazine? Okay. Uh, I have to admit, I haven't done much on the blogazine lately because um, um, I do consulting through, and I call myself a communication architect. Basically, I like that. <laughs> basically, I do. I like that a lot. Oh, good. Good. Because it's the structure. It's, it's, and taking the principles of authentic communication that I talked about before, we've refined them quite a lot. And the first most basic thing is this principle number one is I have a good news, bad news continuum. That if you're, if you're giving good news, you can just announce it. Hey, you have a raise. Hey, now you have a free parking space. Great. If it's if it's kind of neutral news, whatever the heck that is, that would take some analysis. Maybe you need a little more information. This is why we're doing it, blah, blah. But then if it's bad news, if you're taking something away, gee, now you have to work on Saturdays. Now you don't have a parking space. Um, then you need to, and this is the trick, involve people in decision-making. Now, this is not rocket science. I have not the only one who's thought of this. There's a group called the International Association for Public Participation, and that's a group of professionals who facilitate various public meetings, etc. Now, the problem is they're hired by somebody that probably already has the project in mind. But basically, you know, I look at this as kind of a simple thing, the good news, bad news continuum. If you're taking something away from people, or you're harming them in some way, involve them in the decision-making. And there are many examples of organizations that let's say are having to lay people off and they say, okay, let's talk about it. And, and, and there are examples of organizations that some employee says, well, I don't really have to work full-time. I'll work half-time. So Mary Ellen or Bob over here can, can also have a job. There are examples of McDonald's, which, uh, you know, which changes its architecture and it's ours because the neighborhood doesn't like it. And so it's not like it's never been done before. Um, and cities tend to do this, some of them better than others. Um, and National Civic League even has awards for people who, for cities that involve people in, in effective ways. Um, the thing is, it kind of goes against the expertise culture, because let's say I have a master's in sit in park planning, and they said, you know, we should involve people <laughs> in designing the park, which there have been examples of. And I think, well, wait a minute, I I'm the expert. You hired me to plan parks, so I mean, so it takes a little bit of psychological adjustment to say. But, but, but here's the thing, it's the honesty with which you involve people. Like if I say, all right, let's all talk about this. Okay, thanks a lot for your input, bye. And then we do whatever we want. Um, that doesn't work. No. So if we say, okay, you know, we have some parameters here. You know, we can't do X, uh, but, we're but we're open to suggestions on Y, Z, Q, and M. You know, and, and we're going to consider them. That's another thing. 
but we're not going to promise. That's another element. Or you say, you know, here are the parameters. We can't do this and that, but we're looking for input on these things. And we are actually going to try to, to um, do as many of those things as you as possible with, within our constraints. And then the ultimate thing is collaboration. We say, hey, you know, let, let's decide together. So there, so it's a, it, it's, you know, it's not just a one time, it, it, it requires some honesty about whether or not and how much you're going to actually listen to what people want and, and integrate those opinions into your final decision. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, Anyway, so we have this, <laughs> but then, then given that, after you make the decision about that, if an organization says, okay, here's how we commit to communication with you. We're going to be factually accurate. Yes, okay. We're going to be, um, we're gonna let you know before we make the decision we're going to tell you the fact that the, the, the com well, we're going to tell you the fundamental issue, what's really going on. We're going to give you the full story. We're going to be relevant. We're going to listen. So, I mean, they're not rocket science, but I think the, the two key elements are one is if it's bad news, you engage. And the other one is it's just a framework. It's just rules for communicating. And in some settings, it's there, like I also studied mediation. And so we, we say, well, they're ground rules in a group setting that we all adhere to. One is respect. So you don't like yell at someone or call them a nasty name. So right. that in these, in these kind of meetings, there are ground rules for both sides, not just one. And are you uh, bringing that mediation um, package to different clients out in the community? Or what is your discipline more um, if they have crisis communications they need assistance with and you're bringing that to bear or all of the above? Well, all of the above. Now, okay. the thing is that, to be honest with you, it's a hard sell. <laughs> I mean, because the very things we were talking about. Right. Oh, we're going to be accountable. Oh, God, we're going to tell the truth. And, and we have this blog on transparency because transparency doesn't mean, oh, we tell them everything. It's, it's, it's the relevant things. But, um, you know, quite honestly, because of the reputation of PR, I mean, and, and that most organizations still believe in PR, excuse me, <laughs> that that they want thing, they don't want to be real and honest and they're willing to take the risk. Right. And, and, and so it's, it requires people who have, as we kind of touched on initially, people who believe that others should be respected and that you can make money by doing good things. Absolutely. We need more of those folks out there. We need more people to get you involved so that we can get to a better, a better end. And 
obviously respect that, um, and you you said that your blogzine is not uh, really active right now. However, I think it is awesome. And I do want to touch on it. Um, what, first of all, how did you come up with it? And what, what do you want it to do for people? Well, I came up with it many years ago. There's like 63 articles on there. Um, and the name of it, I basically started it. I am now a single person. And I basically started it to showcase single people as doing worthwhile and you know, not being recluses, not being maniacs, but basically contributing to society in, in good ways. Um, and then I had stories on, and actually I love this story. <laughs> Still gets about, um, you know, plastic bottles. I, I, and and, and um, like everyone is using like liquid soap and I'm thinking what happened to bar soap? So I had this story going back to the bar, soap that is, and um, I actually analyzed how many um, bottles of hand liquid soap were sold and analyzed that they were all like about four inches and how long they would go around the world. I love that story. And, um, and so there were things about and hanging clothes outside and, and a, a woman who did, um, uh, God, what was it? Um, justice work. And so I was looking for interesting people and, 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 and a good way to live. So, I mean, I, and I, I actually, you know, especially now that you've brought it up, I, I'm hoping to interview someone that I think can be really interesting. And I do want to get back to that more because I think especially now people are, you know, staying and maybe they're reading more. But I, 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 I'm, I'm proud of that work. So I really appreciate that, you, that you've brought it up and that you like it. Well, you should be very proud of it. And for all of our listeners out there, I'll just echo um, the name again, flyinghighsolo.com. And I just found your writing, you're, you're a phenomenal writer. And it's very clever in how you express not only your own thoughts, but how you represent the thoughts and sort of experiences of those with whom you converse. And it's just, um, it's really fascinating. And the different tactics you've taken, the different topics you've covered. Um, I love that you uh, referred back to your grandson and the, in the, I think the third article I read, um, and he's talking about as, as you've laid out the right wing and the left wing, and he's, he's okay. saying, well, if the two wings would just fly together, look at how we could soar. And I thought, how, what a beautiful articulate assessment from someone young. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, frankly, I was astonished. I thought, yes, why didn't I think of that? It was so perfect. And I said to him, I don't know whether this was just modesty or what. I said to him, you know, I said, that was fabulous. And I used it in a story. He said, really? He said, I just meant it as a joke. No, it was, I loved it. It was, it was I know. And I thought, astonishing. It's like out of the mouths of babes. Correct. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much. And, and maybe I should do more of it, you know, because I did enjoy doing it. And um, well, I'm a writer at heart. So I have you to can see that it's passion. And it's, it's definitely an art form for you. It is, I, I encourage all of our uh, listeners to go and check it out, because it, it's really neat. It's inspirational. Thank you. And if there's anyone out there, that's interesting, which I'm sure every single person is, 
feel free to contact me because I'm looking for ideas and I'm looking for people to, to interview. All right, you all, if you hear that, I want you to act on it because every one of us has a story and Ms. Pajinka has an incredible way of telling it. So reach out. I want to give you an opportunity to comment on anything that's kind of burning in your soul that I may not have prompted you with to this afternoon. Well, thank you, because actually, um, Sageworks is burning in my soul. Okay. <laughs> now, um, and that's based on this whole sense, as we talked about quite a lot, um, of having organizations deal with their publics, their stakeholders in an authentic way. And, and, and you touched on this early on, whether organizations could treat people with respect. And so that's kind of my passion right now. Um, and the reason we named ourselves SageWorks is in um, honor of not being young. <laughs> and um, and having some experience behind us, and God forbid some wisdom. I Hate love that, it, but but it's true. And so we basically have two um, online audits, one of which was taken by a city, and and have done some work in other communication areas, and one is um, on. Uh, DEI, diversity, inclusivity, et cetera. And it's more for employees. And given that we're two white women, excuse us, uh, we had three um, non-white um, DEI experts review it to make sure it was culturally sensitive, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm into that now. And I also write for people. I mean, if they're not willing to buy the whole shebang, you know, I mean, it's a matter of saying, you know, how can I articulate your, your business story, your, what you're doing in a, in a useful way. So I'm actually working with someone right now in the nuclear power sector, which is kind right. of interesting. I've, I've learned a lot, learned a lot, I've learned a lot. Um, so, yeah, so here I am, you know, open to writing, to consulting, to doing research. I think it's just awesome. And I think you're a rock star. SageWorks, uh, just for clarity, is your own consulting. Is it an LLC? And you have a partner. Correct. LLC. She is not um, on the LLC, but okay. she's worked with her. And she's out of Columbus, Ohio, heaven forbid. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. We'll take her. Okay. She's a nice person. She's a very nice person. And um, and so that website is thesageworks.org because there are a lot of sages out there. So this is thesageworks.org. I love that. Well, Ms. Bojinka, it's been such a, an honor to have you on this platform and to converse with you. It's just really, it's been really neat. And I just, I really do encourage you to keep up with flyinghighsolo.com. I just, um, that is just a wonderful tool for all of us in a time where we really need some hope and inspiration.
I want to thank Bojinka Bishop for taking time to stop by Venerable Voices and share her amazing journey with us. She is really such an example of ongoing, lifelong commitment to curiosity, to getting to know people, to sharing their stories, to improving herself, to showing up to her life every day with an active engagement that really sparks a fire. Let her be a lesson to all of us. Whatever you do next, be sure and make it count and be well.